Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Lauren Allred, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Now, she's one of the most extraordinary vocalists of her generation that's become a household name thanks to a certain movie and a certain song. Yes, she is the very voice behind hit song Never Enough from the soundtrack and movie of The Greatest Showman, a song that's led her all around the world, received great accolades and become one of the most streamed and downloaded songs in history. She's also featured on demos and in the development of other musicals and movies, including Dear Evan Hansen, and worked with Tony-winning stars, including Pasek and Paul. Her stellar vocal ability has also allowed her to meet with personal heroes, including Michael Bublé and the legendary David Foster, with whom she's also performed with live. We've all seen the YouTube collaboration, right? It's insane. With her experience on The Voice and laying down tracks, she's now set to rise up the music charts with the release of her new EP. Featuring all original music, she's dropped bops and heartbreakers, including Miss Myself, This Summer, and even worked on a special Pride remix with the remarkable Bright Light, Bright Light. So here, in an exclusive and rather personal interview, it's time to find out how she became the voice of Jenny Lynn in The Greatest Showman movie, how the song almost actually never happened with her, working with Rebecca Ferguson on making that signature movie moment as realistic and human as possible, some of the other movies and musicals she's played a part in bringing together, why she is happy to keep herself sort of hidden away from the movies, lending her voice to roles rather than her face, finding her feet as an artist, including pushing away what others might expect of her. This release of her new music and when we can all come and party down on with her in real life at an actual music venue and why she's thrilled that big, fierce, belty vocalists are being seen in the music industry once again. So get ready for quite the ride as it's time to welcome the queen of vocals. It's Miss Lauren Allred on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To meet with current restrictions and to stop the possible spread of COVID-19, Laura and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Well, this is all very exciting. So, fierce vocals at the ready. Please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. It's Miss Lauren Allred. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, I'm so well. I'm so excited to talk to you, William. I love your podcast. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure to have you. And I should say that I did message you and was just like, please, 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 will you be on my podcast? I am obsessed. And you very kindly didn't block me. So thank you for not doing that. (laughs) Thank you for saying yes. Of course not. No. I'm so excited. And I was joking just a second before. So I feel like while we're sort of admitting lots of weird and wonderful things, let me just get the sort of the elephant in the room out of the way. And that is, I am obsessed with you. I do think you have a gift literally from the hands of God delivered to you vocally. I'm obsessed. And I make no apologies of that. I really don't. I think you're amazing. And I just love the different inflections in your voice. And we're going to get to celebrate all of that and some of the things that you've done here, hopefully without me sounding too strange. So hopefully we can talk about some fun things as well. But um, just thank you so much once again. And congratulations, because you've just released a new bit of music. It's a remix. It's super fun. I'm going to shut up and I would love you just to introduce me to what this remix is and a certain person that you worked with on it. It's very, very exciting. 
Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for that, that compliment. You're so sweet. Um, and that means so much to me. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I have been releasing original music kind of since COVID started. It was kind of a, a wonderful um, opportunity for me to kind of be creative during that time. You know, there's nothing else really to do. And um, so one of my songs called This Summer, we did a remix with Bright Light, Bright Light for Pride. And I've just been dancing around my house to it. You know, um, Sometimes it's hard to listen to your own music, but for some reason, this specific remix, I just can't stop listening to. And I think it's, I think it's um, just perfect for this month. It's perfect for a workout and for partying and, and Bright light bright light he's just the best and he's also he is a great vocalist too you know i'm just a big fan and so we got to work together and we came up with something really fun it feels like a song for the summer and i love the fact that it just makes you feel good when you listen to it and i can imagine for you as an artist like obviously the sad stuff always connects with people and that's fun but like when it sounds good and feels good it must make you as an artist who has to of course perform it and sing it quite often feel good as well you're like i actually quite like singing this <laughs> no it's true it's true you know sometimes um, kind of really melancholy songs kind of bring you back to how you were feeling at the time. And this song is a little bit nostalgic. You know, the, the, the concept of the song was kind of like, oh, you know, it's summer in New York and it just doesn't feel the same. And it was kind of reminiscing about the, the past summers and just the energy that New York brings um, and just kind of hoping that it's not too late to make the most of the summer in New York. It's kind of like, I, you know, I, I bet we could fall in love this summer if we just try to make the most of it. And I think when he kind of put, um, put his spin on it, you can't really tell that it's a sad song unless you're, uh, well, it's not a sad song. It's a hopeful song, but yeah. um, you know, the point is to kind of trick people into having a good time until they realize that the, the lyrics have a bit more depth, you know. Was the plan always to to do a remix of it? Like when you wrote it, do you think I actually want to find different ways for people to be able to hear this song? Um, not necessarily. I think uh, we just saw the potential in this song being um, a kind of upbeat version of it. And and we were right, you know, he did such a good job. But yeah, we have a lot of a lot of new music coming. Um, and I'm so excited to share. Oh, it's like the dot 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 moment of like, I'd love to ask you thousands of more questions. But of course, we have to behave and talk about it. But <laughs> I, I, you would be willing to say that you are working on new things, we sort of are going to get new new things from you. Oh, yes. Yeah, we have three new songs that we just got mastered. And so it's gonna, we're just gonna begin the rollout of this new EP. And I'm just really excited. Yeah, because, you know, I've been hired to sing on a lot of jobs uh, in the past, you know, like The Greatest Showman. Um, but uh, kind of now I'm, I'm kind of spreading my wings as a songwriter and and kind of letting people into that side of me. So it's really exciting and personal for me. I think that's really interesting actually, because it means that we get to see, to celebrate one side of you, but then also to see a different side, which I think is actually quite a difficult thing to balance as an artist. So you seem to be able to sort of do that really well, which is obviously show stuff that other people have written. And of course you love that, but also to be able to say, this is also, you know, who I am as well. And for you as an artist, it, that, that's sort of the best of both worlds, right? Yes, you know, for a while, it was a, a little bit paralyzing to be honest, because, you know, I have been in the music industry for a long time. I was signed to Island Def Jam as an artist when I was a teenager. And, you know, it was just kind of like a long journey of, of not being the right fit and this and that. And so I've been trying to um, kind of make it as my own artist for a long time. But, but what I've had success in is kind of working behind the scenes. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's still 
still what I want to do in the big picture. So after Never Enough and The Greatest Showman came out, I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, is how do you follow that up? you know, and, and my original music is not exactly like that. And so I just kind of um, took a leap and I'm hoping that people uh, come on board because, you know, that side of myself will always be there. I'll be singing never enough until my dying day. probably. Um, But, you know, it's, it's kind of like bridging the gap and letting people get to know me, which I'm really excited about. And I think you do that really successfully with your YouTube channel and going back to sort of like, I do know lots of the things that you do. I think it's nice to be able to see you do even just like down to different versions of songs that you've become sort of infamous for, or just very famous for. I'm just thinking of your time on television. Like, does that mean that you can keep a little bit of the hold of who you are while also delivering what other people want if that makes any sense yeah you know connecting with people it really helps me kind of remind them that that there's like kind of a person behind this this voice that you heard you know and it yeah it's just it's I don't know it's a unique situation that I'm um trying to maneuver through day by day and I'm I'm figuring it out (laughs) So how do you find you when you're known so much for this term of like being a vocalist, which of course is an honour to be be recognised, not just as a singer, but as a vocalist. But how do you find yourself and find the genre that you fit in? Does does that make it a little bit more complicated because you're almost sort of put into a box without even being put into a box, again, if that makes sense? Yes. I mean, you know, I love, um, I mean, as you said being known as a vocalist, but I think what's kind of hard right now is that um, it doesn't quite fit into the radio play (laughs) era that we're in. And it it used to, Um, I would love if it were, you know, I would, I would write more songs that kind of um, lend myself to using my whole range uh, more often, but um, yeah, we're getting there. You know, I feel like artists like Bruno Mars, they're kind of bringing back more musical type of songs. And, um, and I think we're getting there, but uh, I can't wait to see the day where vocalists can kind of shine and songs are kind of written around their ranges. Um, and then it's kind of accepted in, into the radio world. So um, hopefully I can be a part of that and, and we'll bring it back because there are a lot of incredible singers that are kind of pigeonholed into um, just only live shows or, you know, only studio work or just kind of the corporate world circuit. Um, And then we don't really get to hear them on the radio. And I think people are starving for that. If anything, seeing how Never Enough um, was so well received, it just goes to show how much people are starving for kind of like a big ballad with a singer, you know? So it was kind of surprising to me because because um, as a, you know, as a singer that that likes to use their whole range, it just um, you don't find a lot of opportunities for that to kind of be accepted. And so it was really refreshing to see how much people loved and um, just welcomed the big ballad. You know, yeah. I think it's been too long. <laughs> everybody loves those type of vocals i mean if you think about television like when there's things like american idol and x factor and stuff they're always the ones that get all the news headlines that people obsess with but then it doesn't necessarily relate to like you sort of like the commercial element of like the world of pop or r&b and then you think well hold on a second that's actually what people are crying out for and i think ariana 
Grande's probably the closest. I remember seeing her live and thinking that's sort of the closest to that sort of vocalist genre where it's like big belty singing that of course mm-hmm. sits within the region of pop. But you think this is this isn't really being done, and I I, I don't know. It's 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 such a disconnect. But I'm not quite sure why it happens. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't to discount incredible pop songs. You know, like yeah. that that's just a whole. <laughs> Um, skill of its own to really nail a pop song um, and that's just it's it has its own life right now on the radio and, and mm. things they go up and down but I can just feel it kind of opening up it's just hard because so many big singers are just like waiting they're just like what am I doing wrong and, and it's really nothing you're really doing nothing wrong it's just that the time right now it you know it is what it is but I can feel a shift coming and I think um when uh, Pasek and Paul, they're just they're just doing so well writing these kind of hybrid musical theater pop uh, soundtracks, and that is I think going to be a hand in bringing bringing big songs back like that to the the radio. Have you been tempted, or have people tried to perhaps push you down that musical theatre route where they think, oh, you've got a voice for Broadway? You know, you could be a leading lady on Broadway, very, very respectable career. Would you consider that, or perhaps is that just not the sort of thing that you would want to do? No, absolutely. I would love that. Um, you know, I would need to kind of get back into acting classes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I love telling stories through singing. You know, I really like. Um, making sure that I can channel the emotion of whatever the character is. Uh, and so of course that would be a dream of mine. You know, I really like kind of being a chameleon and, um, and just kind of figuring out, uh, cause you know, that's what studio work is. You, you just have to kind of embody who you're singing for and that kind of takes you out of yourself. And so I really enjoy that part of, um, of my job too. So I would absolutely be open to, to doing any sort of Broadway or musical theater work, absolutely. I'm right in saying that that sort of was the beginning of your journey to sort of singing on a more professional basis because of university and then didn't you transfer to there and you specialized in music? Uh, yes, yeah, I did one year of musical theater and then when I was there, I kind of realized that I wanted to pursue kind of the lane of being an artist. And so gotcha. then I went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, and then I got signed there moved to New York. And then it's so funny. It's kind of like I was making friends here. And then I started to kind of be, um, be known as kind of like a hybrid person who could, yeah. who could sing musical theater stuff, but not sound musical theatery in their opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that really kept me working in New York. You know, a lot of people in the musical theater scene, um, would just have me on but like, um, songwriters on their albums or just lots of studio work. I did lots of stuff for um, Pasek and Paul, like mm. the, the Dear Evan Hansen movie that's coming out. I did some choir parts and we did the demos for that way before the musical came out. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of fell into it. And that's how things happen. You just, you never know how your career is gonna go and you just have to take the jobs and see where it takes you. And so that's, that's what happened. Sort of, sort of speaking of sort of seeing where it takes you, I think something that's very exciting. Sort of, I say, I think we sort of still say we're in a pandemic. I don't know if we're sort of at the other side of it and slowly coming out. But I'm not quite sure what the real end. <laughs> yeah. As long as it means that we're at the end, I'm happy to call it whatever people want. But let's let's say it's over, but sort of towards the end of that, and means that people can actually go to the theatre, but also go see live music again, which. 
I've missed so much. And I know, again, I'm sort of trying not to give too much away in terms of what's coming up, but I know that you are going to be doing some pop-up shows and live performances, which is just all so very exciting. How are, what do you think that's actually going to be like when you get the opportunity for an audience that are there to see you to go, I can just, I can just sing again. <laughs> like, it's ah, going to be amazing. I mean, well, I know the feeling of, um, of watching performers uh, recently. And it just is like a breath of fresh air. You'd like, I, it could make me cry. It, you don't really know that you missed it so much until you're sitting in the audience, you know? And so hopefully people kind of feel that way to just be out again and be around people. And it's just exciting. You know, that energetic exchange that, you know, I know we're exchanging energy right now, but on Zoom, I don't know, it's just not the same. <laughs> but no, I can't wait to perform. And we've got a few uh, performances in the books uh, just around the city. And um, I, th I think we're doing kind of like a surprise <laughs> sort of day of announcement thing. Um, I'm fully vaccinated. I, I kind of went through my um, second shot flu yesterday. <laughs> um, it's no joke, but um, yeah, I'm so grateful to be vaccinated and, and to kind of be able yep. to go back in the world and perform. Because of the pandemic, did you suffer when you started performing again and singing and recording with any form of sort of nerves about, you know, can I still do this? You know, am I still able to deliver what I think I can deliver? And, you know, I guess, how did you make sure that you kept in a positive mentality? Because it is an instrument after all, you know, you do have to keep working at it. It's not just sort of a switch on switch off situation. Well, you know, to be honest, um, I mean, as you know, I was writing and collaborating with my producer the whole quarantine and, um, and we just kind of created our own little bubble. So <laughs> we're kind of quarantining together, like, you know, from the home studio. Um, but honestly, it was the best vocal rest that I could have asked okay. for. Like, I can't tell you. You know, never enough. It, it's, it's, um, it's just such a hulk of a song because it covers so much range. So if anything's going on with my voice in any capacity, it's just going to expose it you know because okay. it's like the lows and the highs and the riffs and the this and everything and flying all over the place and I really was kind of not home for a couple years singing never enough which I'm so grateful for but it wasn't until everything stopped that I realized oh this is actually really great for my voice and um and now I can kind of take care of it and and get ready for whatever comes next so it was good <laughs> it was a good thing <laughs> You mentioned about flying all over the globe. One of the performances uh, that is available online, you should absolutely watch the entire uh, television show, but um, watch, of course, your performance is when you're performing Never Enough with David Foster, who is a, a just, I mean, genius. I mean, also, I should say, very quick side story, go on um, his wife's, uh, Catherine's web, uh, Instagram page and just look at some of the pictures they've got of just all of his awards. It's ridiculous. It's like every <laughs> award you could ever imagine. You're like, how does one person produce that much? Anyway, um what was it like getting to work with somebody like him who I know that you idolize and that you really respect his work and you just, you know, to get the opportunity on a personal one-on-one -on -one basis, not just to meet him, but to also collaborate and work with him on and also perform live with? Yeah, you know, I think every singer um, growing up, you know, when they figure out that David Foster, you know, Quincy Jones, they've they've just kind of taken artists under their wing and and made their careers you just kind of create this dream you know if he could only hear me sing maybe you know my world would change and so I had been dreaming to meet David Foster since I was 
a kid. Um, and then um, The Greatest Showman kind of opened up that door and I got a phone call from Michael Buble and David Foster, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yes. And he goes, I don't know. It's just so funny. I couldn't even remember the moment. And they just said, um, hey, Lauren, you know, it's David Foster and it's Michael Buble. <laughs> <laughs> we'd love if you could just come to LA tomorrow and uh and record this duet for Michael's album and I was just starstruck and so I went and we did it and and you know they're just so normal they're just so sweet and welcoming and and it just felt like family like right from the beginning and then doing the tour dates with David and the PBS special it just I, I just can't even tell you how surreal it was. You know, there's a moment on the stage where it kind of hits you and oh, it's just, it's just what you live for. It's what you work for. Um, yeah. So I guess working with someone so accomplished, you would think that they would kind of be some kind of crazy mad scientist genius, but he's just, he's just like a really funny, <laughs> a funny guy. And um yeah. And he's just very charismatic and I just love working with him. So it's, yeah, he's great. <laughs> I love some of the video footage as well from that special where he's sort of just like watching you perform, like really encouraging you and sort of like amazed by some of the vocal choices that you choose. And I don't know if that was his choice or your choice, but I was like, she's literally just showing off now. Like, come on this. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, oh yeah, we're going to take it up and we're going to take it up a step. And then yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I'm out. Like, fine. You know, it's, it's <laughs> no, crazy. Honestly, honestly, like, you know, we came up with the the version that is on the soundtrack in the studio. And then um, I think you come up with these embellishments over performing, you know, different shows over, uh, over time, you know, there'll be one night where the, the crowd's energy is really good. And then I'll just do some random riff out of nowhere. And then I just incorporate that in. So I think on PBS, it was just like a handful of things that I had done randomly other performances and, um, and you got to up, up the ante for a TV, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do love that side of YouTube and TikTok. I'm very new to TikTok. I sort of don't really get it. I sort of put one video on there and it exploded. And I'm like, I don't know what you do now, but, and I love just watching other people just organically doing what they can. Some are great. Some people obviously keep, you know, keep pushing and pushing and, and getting better and better. And I feel like that's a new way that the pandemic's made something good out of something so bad, which is that they're finding new ways for us to connect with music. And for me, and you know, I imagine exactly the same for you, like that can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I don't know, a platform like TikTok, which just kind of pushes uh, creativity in all different uh, lanes, it just, it just explodes. People are so creative and people are so motivated. And, um, and there are some incredible singers on TikTok. I'm like inspired to, you know, <laughs> to the end by the singers on there. It's unreal. Well, I won't sing now because I think you would find that I'm actually better than you, but you know, I'll, I'll resist vocally. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? What's funny about that? <laughs> no, no, you should come to the pop-up concert. We'll oh, I'll be there, but I tr trust me, you, you'd literally exit the Zoom if I started singing. So I'm not even going to pretend like, let's not even. Oh, so funny. Like... Well, I can't do what you do. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've spoken about The Greatest Showman. So let's just touch on that for a second, because I feel like I've, I've read lots of interviews and seen lots of stuff about this. And I feel like they're, the success of the, the movie itself and the soundtrack is nuts. Like it's literally the top three best-selling British album of all time, like Titanic, everything. Like it's crazy. 
when did you when did you have your oh my gosh, this is going to be a pinch me moment. This song is never going to leave me. When did you have that moment of this is something very special? Oh my. Um, well, can I say first that, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if I am supposed to talk about this, but there was a lot of doubt when we were, when they were doing this movie, you know, mm. like it almost didn't even happen um, because there was a lot of pushback and, and it was really the director of The Greatest Showman that decided to fund the rest himself because he believed in it so much. And so, you know, I knew the music was amazing and I thought the movie was amazing. Um, but this pushback, and then when it first came out, I saw on Rotten Tomatoes, it was getting bad reviews. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Um, and then next thing you know, the soundtrack, the soundtrack just blew up. And, um, and I think when I saw people covering Never Enough all the time, actually when I saw Never Enough being performed on huge reality shows in many other countries, that's when I thought, oh, this is, well, especially on The Voice, because I was on The Voice and I just thought, oh, this is happening. Like this is a staple song now. Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a trickle effect. And then I just became so busy that I couldn't really keep track of how well it was doing. I was just <laughs> reforming all the time. So yeah, my whole life changed. Um, and I think it was really amazing to kind of, uh, to kind of see that pushing through was the right thing to do. Like, I know that was really gratifying for the director and for everyone involved to kind of see like, oh yes, you know, this, this was really it. Like we had the feeling and to just see it all pay off. Um, yeah. I mean, it still, it still hasn't really hit me all the way, to be honest, you know, when you're still living kind of in that dream state, you don't, it, you, you haven't grasped it all the way. So I think I haven't really grasped it all the way. <laughs> It comes as no surprise that I am, of course, a musical theatre nerd. Um, and one of the pleasures that I had, just to talk about myself very quickly for a second, was that I actually saw the film, I think it was either four or five months before it came out. So it was it was a noticeable amount of time before. And I remember, I remember two songs. I remember Never Enough and, of course, This Is Me. And there was this discussion uh, where I was going to get the opportunity through a film junket when the talent was here to talk to Zendaya about the movie. So I was like, mm -hmm. OK, cool. But I couldn't remember the names of the songs. And then obviously, but I just kept hearing this these two songs, these melodies and lyrics. And I kept saying to everybody, Oh, there are these songs. This this girl sings this song, and then there's this other group, and and they were just sort of like, yeah, yeah, cool, you know. Like, I have no clue what you're talking about, and it's not out <laughs> for like four months. And then the album came out, and I remember the lyric video came out for it. Just it was probably a couple of weeks before the actual movie came out, mm -hmm. and that's when everyone started to go, "Hey, Will, have you heard of this?" And I was like, "I've been telling you about this bloody <laughs> months." And then slowly, I remember and who name nameless, but one of my friends was staying over and I played him. I was like, look, this, the album's out, this is the song. And he was sort of quite dismissive of it. And then eventually when it got to the main part of Never Enough, he was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. And I was like, thank you. And it was those sort of real time experiences of like, and then I sort of saw it go on and on and on. So I sort of, I actually understand what you mean by sort of people being perhaps a little bit unsure and then just the rocket just it just went off, didn't it? And it was it was the song of the year. Well, it's kind of it's a very bold thing to to debut a musical as a movie first. 
what I mean. Like yeah. usually musicals, they they bubble up on Broadway and then you make a movie out of it because making a movie is such a, a risky thing, especially, I don't know, if no one knows the music, it's all original. And so it's just a testament to kind of how good the soundtrack was that they could take that risk and, you know, hopefully it turns into a real musical one day. That would be unbelievable. But I'm yeah. glad that you kind of... <laughs> We're spreading the word and I'm glad that those songs were memorable to you even before the movie was out. Did you see a screening of it? I did, yeah. In this, it, at, uh, I think it was, I think it's, it's a universal film, isn't it? So yeah, a universal. And it was in this, the really small, tiny screener that they have in London. So oh. loud. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And obviously geeked yeah. out. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I... <laughs> If I if I can tell you, like when there was a pinch me moment, it was actually sitting and watching the screening with all of my friends when we did all the ensemble parts, you know, and we hadn't yep. seen we hadn't seen it yet. And um, I think when when whew, when I tell you, I almost had a heart attack when I could hear the music for Never Enough coming because this was a very last minute um, decision that they made about Never Enough. You know, like the movie was almost done being filmed when they asked me to record Never Enough and then decided that I would be the voice and like Rebecca wasn't gonna sing it. And, and so um, just sitting in the theater, I, I hadn't seen the final version. I didn't know what it was gonna be like. And, I, and if, it, if it wasn't good, I didn't know. And so my heart was just racing and then I watched it and it finished. And I was just like, this is happening. You know, like I'm part of a movie, it's happening. Um, so yeah, in that, in that screening, um, was really kind of like the moment where I just felt so grateful. Cause I think when, oh, I could cry about it. Just when you're in an industry for a very long time and you're just, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on, but um, yeah, when you're just working in all these different ways and, and then it finally pays off, it just feels so good. And like at that point it had been like a decade, you know, so yeah, good things happen. Just you, you can't give up and you never can expect like how they will happen. So yeah, I don't know. Just felt so grateful. <laughs> Sorry. It's the vaccine that's making me emotional. <laughs> we'll blame the vaccine. Don't worry. But I think the fact that it came in such an organic way, in a way that clearly meant something to you, like you felt comfortable and happy watching it and it came at the right point in your life shows that I think anyway, maybe you disagree, but I think it was always gonna happen in this way. You just had to wait for the right time. No, truly. And it was such a, it was such a nice kind of like push out to the world because then I could kind of keep my anonymity, but I could continue singing and that's very comfortable. You know, yep. you just, um, you know, people know your voice, but they don't know your life per se. And it's just like the best way for it to happen. So um, yeah, no, it was, it was the perfect time. Do you think you would have felt the same? Cause you referenced there about um, anonymity. Do you think you would have felt the same if you'd have actually been in the film and therefore you'd have had to deal with the fame side of it as an individual? Because once your face is known, there's no going back. I know. Well, that's a very scary thing. <laughs> that's, um, that's like part of why I got into studio work. Cause I was just like, do I want that? I don't know why anyone would want that. <laughs> um, so I think if I had been in the film, you know, like Keala, I, well, she's been on Broadway and everything, but I can imagine that that would be a lot to deal yeah. with. Um, so I really like that I wasn't in it. <laughs> a lot of people ask me like, why didn't they cast you? And why didn't they do this? And I'm just thinking I'm fine with this. And I, and I like it this way. And Rebecca did an incredible job. She's so great. And she's an incredible actress. And, um, and, and yeah, she just, 
I, I loved how she portrayed that character and, and even the scene where I'm singing, it just, it makes all the sense and it's, it's perfect. A couple of logistical questions, which might sound a little bit silly, but was, did, you know, you mentioned about Rebecca, did she record a version of it or was the song put in for you? Um, so, so they, they knew they needed to add kind of like this big song in for, for her character. And it was really last minute. And I know they had me come into the studio cause I had done the female reference vocals for the most yep. part, all of them. Um, and so they were kind of mapping out the melody and they were just like, can you belt this? Can you do this? And I was just like, I don't know if I can actually, it's insane. Oh, stop. Um, <laughs> they push it to the limit, those two. Um, so yeah, I recorded, I recorded a demo for it and then they sent it to her to sing it. And, and she sang through it and she has a really nice voice, but I think they wanted like a, a belt, a belty yep. ballad. And that's not necessarily like what she does. Um, and so I think she might've kind of half recorded a version of it, but it was kind of like the decision with everyone, including her. I think it was her decision to begin with that was just kind of like, I, you know, just let her do it. It's just, why not? It just makes more sense. So that's what happened. And does she lip, sorry, this sounds like such a nerdy question, but does she lip sync to your vocal choices or do you match what she did in terms of lip syncing? I guess, how did you meet in the middle? Um, well, what happened was I recorded a version in the studio and then she asked for a video of me performing it so she could kind of like watch how I right. do it. And then she lips, well, she is, I mean, you can't lip sync to a song like that and make it look realistic. So I think she was for sure singing along with whatever yeah. she could hear of me to kind of make it look like she was actually singing. And then, um, and then afterwards we, we did a, a version while I was watching her to make it look really seamless. So okay. we recorded it as I was watching what she had already done. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Breaths and everything just like spot on because you don't want that moment to be distracted by people being like, oh, this is an obvious lip sync. So it was re just really important to me that, that we did it right. Yeah, because it very easily could have looked like it's obviously not her and it doesn't at all. I think, I think like you say, because it's so, it's all, I think because it's very emotional, I think because obviously you two connected in that way, it's like, oh, it's clearly not somebody else singing. It is her. And I think that's that's perhaps just why, obviously coupled alongside the fact it's a bloody fantastic song and, and amazing vocals, it, it became and has become an anthem. And you are the vocalist behind an anthem that probably will never die. It will always be there because it's so uplifting, even though it's obviously quite a difficult subject to talk about. And mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's why it's successful. And I can imagine it's as much as you probably sung it 450 million billion times, it's probably <laughs> still quite nice to sing. Oh, it is. You know, it's like... Uh... I mean, it's rare that you have a song that kind of shows the little sweet spots of your range. That's how they used to write songs, you know, Celine Dion, they'd be like, what's your money note? And then they'd make a whole song around that. And, and they just don't do that anymore. So I'm grateful that that happened and, and that I get to sing a song like that, that is not a cover, you know, that's the biggest part. It just, I'm just so grateful. And it's really Pasek and Paul and their talents that, that all the credit goes to. 
And it is global. I should, should probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm a massive collector of vinyls, actually. Weirdly enough, there's a bookshelf just here that I just cleared because I'm moving house, but I have the, a Japanese version of The Greatest Showman vinyl, which I will send you a photograph of. It's amazing. And obviously the credit's in there and it's all in Japanese. And you're just like, this is like international now. It's crazy. It's insane. Oh my gosh. I mean, well, I know, I know this is true because a lot of my, um, a lot of my inquiries are, are in Asia, you know? Yeah. I, I perform it there a lot, you know, like Indonesia, Malaysia. Um, yeah, I had a gig in Tokyo. It just, and that's when it really hits you when you're flying 30 hours away to <laughs> sing a song. You're just like, okay, this this reached all the way over there. So it's it's insane. I also love the Kelly Clarkson version as well. Very different, but also beautiful. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, I idolize Kelly Clarkson. Her first album, you know, <laughs> I sang it all the time growing up. And it really, like, there are a few singers that kind of trained my voice because I was singing to them. And so, um, yeah, when Kelly Clarkson did Never Enough, and then she tweeted that she realized that I was a voice contestant, yeah. she, you know, as a judge on The Voice, I was just like, ah, she knows who I am. And it's just insane, you know. Uh, yeah, Kelly, Kelly's an incredible vocalist. Like her belt is just, uh, and I'm so excited about her show. I, mm. I just love it. Uh, maybe I'll get to meet her one day, who knows, but I would die. We could have like a never enough riff off mashup battle thing. I don't know what you call it. That sounds terrifying. No <laughs> thanks. <laughs> like, huh? No, that's a polite <laughs> passive. Yeah. You mentioned Kiala Sesso. I did have the absolute pleasure of interviewing her for the season finale of, yeah. of mm-hmm. the last one of Eleven. And she spoke so fondly about the whole experience. She said how difficult it was. And she did say that because of the fact that um, vocally it's quite tough for her, because I imagine so this is me is ridiculously belty but also um physically there was a lot that had to go into her actually you know playing that role obviously there was the beard but also the corset and the shoes and everything else which means that she doesn't feel like she could approach a stage musical of it because it just would be too much for her would you consider playing this role on stage is that something that would interest you absolutely yeah that would be a dream come true for sure i mean i don't blame keala like sticking a beard to your face every day (laughs) but i i I don't think uh, Rebecca has a beard. No, <laughs> I mean, um, Jenny Lynn, sorry. Yeah. What about taking on um, Keala's role though? Because your, your cover of This Is Me, which I love the fact, by the way, at the start when you're like, not the one you're expecting. It's like, no, it's not, but I love that. Feels like it sits quite comfortably in your voice, even though it is stupidly high. So would you consider a bit of a mashup where you could perhaps do something else, you know, sort of go, go rogue and do something that people perhaps even wouldn't expect? Wait, you mean, would I ever have any interest in playing Keala's role? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if that would, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I love being a chameleon. So if, if it made sense, sure. But I just like, I can't imagine anyone doing that role, but Keala, you yeah. need to think twice about that. <laughs> <laughs> Keala Sato, you are wrong from your castmate and from me. <laughs> and you need to, to do it. <laughs> in terms of I guess other goals, because first you should say that we've run out of time and you've been incredibly kind with your time. So thank you. But in terms of what's coming next and what you would love to do. Of course, the EP is coming very, very soon. You're going to be all over with performing live, which is very exciting. I'm going to keep everything crossed. You come to this country, please, please, please. Um, But is there anything else that you have on your wish list or perhaps even the sort of, I hate the sort of five-year question, but I think actually it shows a trajectory of where people are trying to sort of go to and reach. And I always feel like actually it throws up quite a few good potential 
answers. So I guess what else is still on the wish list? Because what you've done already is quite impressive. Mm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, um, it's a lot. I mean, I the focus is really on my original music right now. I really would love people to kind of uh, get to know me more and and just kind of hop on board with what I'm doing. And, and I hope it's, it's well received, but um, I just, I do have this dream of kind of doing more voiceover stuff, like maybe with Disney or something like that. I would just love to do that. And, and also acting, I really want to get into just kind of like stage stuff. Uh, yeah, I just have a ton of dreams and I don't really know how to like fit them all together, but um, yeah, I don't know. The, the Disney princess thing <laughs> interests me for sure. Um, but just lots of, lots more songwriting and performing and, and I'm, uh, yeah, just, just seeing people come out to my live shows. I would just love that. I'm really getting used to kind of that side of myself. So uh, just all the things. <laughs> <laughs> all the things is a good answer. Well, I would like you to make me a promise that you continue with the more pride remixes, please more belting please and just more performing live because we absolutely love it and I will keep everything crossed like I said that you do get the opportunity to come perform here because it's no surprise people adore you here of course they very much recognize your voice and I think you would have an absolute hoot oh I'll be there it's already it's already in the books okay it's a date I'm holding you to that um Lauren Orid <laughs> thank you so much for going through just a small part of your career because you've done the most amazing things but just thank you so much for talking through all of this and good luck with the EP and the singles and the performing live and that very special thing happening towards the end of the year just the best of luck thank you so much William thank you so much for having me you've been listening to 11 the official theatre podcast find out more about 11 at 11podcast.com or via the Broadway podcast network Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.